You're holding your body. How badly were you hurt to the body in the first round? I just got to do number two. What if friends got together and talked as if they were professional fighters yet with no fighting experience? Well, as Professor Chell Sonnen once said, You are well. This is my MMA podcast. Welcome to episode five of my MMA podcast. I'm Mr. Mark Allen David, and with me all, always is the proverbial best of the best, the Sultan of Swag, yeah, boy. the North Carolina killer, the quote unquote master of none, mm. and the unquestioning champion oh. of my heart. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Wesley Edwards. What's going on? We're so glad you're here. We're glad, we're glad you stopped by this week again as we're, we're building a family and you're a part of it. And we just want you to know how grateful and thankful we are for all of our faithful listeners. We say thank you and we salute you. We're obviously <laughs> not alone in this journey, so... so <laughs> Sometimes we dance, sometimes we fly, sometimes we remember, and sometimes God bless us all, sometimes we tolerate, and I guess we're here to tolerate the one and only, the best of the best, that one person that I couldn't think of any other way. If I thought of a way Mm. to introduce him, it would definitely be not this. Let's just talk about Trevor the Intern. Trevor, say hello. Hello, what's up, my MMA podcast nation, and a special shout out to our fans, aka Dave. Dave, big Dave. I just want to say, I appreciate you being there. I've never, I've never got an opportunity to have an intern work for us, and because of the many listeners that we have, they've been able to provide for us the ability mm-hmm. to actually pay our intern. So, Trevor, we're glad Trevor's with us. Trevor, the intern is. I don't a, think a lot of people um, could possibly appreciate how much work he actually puts in. And yeah, while I don't know what that work is, uh, Trevor, thank you for coming to the show. Hey, it is my absolute pleasure to serve in any way that I can and get lots of information wrong. Unlike the fight picks last week, <laughs> where I went five and zero, oh, baby, five and zero. Oh, we're already going there, huh? And yeah, that will never yeah. happen again. It will never happen again. But it did last week. It's any consolation, I went two and five. <laughs> I mean, uh, two two uh, uh, two out of five. I got right in the main card. We're going to introduce a new segment on my in my podcast, which is Mark's random questions. It's time for Mark's random questions. This week, the question is: Who wins in a fight? Which I think is a uh, fun question. Um, we're going to introduce Royce Gracie or Mike Tyson. Who wins in a street fight is the question. This is so, um, okay, this is a dumb question. Uh, so let me, let me throw this out there. I don't understand why this is even remotely a debate on who wins in a street fight between Royce Gracie and Mike Tyson. And for those of you who don't know, since let me educate some of our younger listeners, since they tend to Mm want to YouTube highlights of Mike Mike Tyson knocking out subpar boxers, uh, and then they think he's indestructible in in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Hoist Gracie was the UFC champion in uh, uh, UFC 1, UFC 2, and UFC 4. And he probably would have won three if he hadn't gotten injured. My point is this. He's a legend 
And he's the one that basically put MMA on the map in the United States. He and his family, the Gracie family, you can Google it by all means. But they have this mm-hmm. very specific skill set called uh, jiu-jitsu. And inside of jiu-jitsu, there's this very specific technique called a double leg takedown or leg attacks. <laughs> and I don't understand why anyone would ever think that Mike Tyson could beat Hoist Gracie in a street fight, being that Hoist is not going to box with him or punch with him. He's going to shoot on Mike's legs. He's going to take him down. And within less than five minutes, he's going to choke him unconscious or break one of his arms. I don't know why this is a debate. I don't even know why when I go into a forum that talks about Hoist versus Mike Tyson, because it comes up a lot, who wins in a fight? I don't understand in 2020 why people still defend that. It's my, now in, two, in 1995, 1996, 1998, 99, arguments all day long. Guys would be fighting with me, talking about it. When I lived, when I lived in Tulsa, we would get in the fights, and I would say stuff like this, and they're like, you're crazy. But we're all educated now. We all have the ability uh-huh. to look up what a takedown actually is and how it's, work, how it's workable in a fight. Mike Tyson doesn't have takedown defense. All he knows how to do is throw hands, and I don't understand why. This is still a debate. It's 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 uh, it's ridiculous, okay. guys. My turn. Okay, so Mike Tyson yeah. is not the yeah. greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. First of all, by any stretch of the imagination, he's not. Um, he he's a stacked fighter. So I'm I'm using base points here. So um, Mike Tyson doesn't beat everybody. You know, as we've discussed, uh, how many times has Mike Tyson beat a Muhammad Ali? Granted, that's a whole other argument. That's a boxing argument. But here's the reality. Uh, Mike Tyson would tell you that he does not win that fight. That's stupid. He would just say, nah, I'm not going to beat that guy. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm confused. He's a stacked, again, he's a stacked fighter. If you look at all the fights Mike Tyson's been in, uh, year over year, fight over fight, um, you're not telling me, you can't show me all the fights. You're like, oh, wow. Uh, how many times did uh, Mike Tyson fight a number one contender? And again, boxing's different. It's very different. So it's it's a little tough to, to, to you know, get into that whole conversation. But bottom line is, he's not, he, how many times did he fight top 10 contenders? Very few times. Um, yeah, he, he was an exciting fighter, but he's a stacked fighter. Um, one of the things that I hate about fighting um, when it comes to that side of it is like, I hate stacking. So he's the guy. Yeah, sure. He's had how many knockouts? You're what talking about padding his record with lesser, lesser. Kind Absolutely. Of yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to, he's going to, Oh, we're going to get you up against a guy that we know you can be over and over and over again. That's just boxing. Now um, we're not even touching the conversation of, by the way, it is called mixed martial arts, if I'm not mistaken. And boxing is one of the martial arts, if you will. So how many other ones could Mike Tyson even touch? Nothing. And we all know, going back in the day, Oyce Gracie, um, he brought something that no one ever saw back then. So, you know, yeah. I mean, like I said, and, and to the point, I think the most important point is to say, dude, Mike Tyson, that dude would tell you straight up, no, I wouldn't beat that guy. Mm-hmm. I think he would say that in, in a heartbeat. 
No, couldn't do uh, it. My answer will be sponsored by Suave Shampoo. Suave Shampoo. Been cleaning <laughs> heads of the mm-hmm. lower middle class for years. Suave Shampoo. And on to my answer. So mm. some of you might not know this, of course. We we all three know this, that Wesley was actually on a board in the UFC. I was on a board? Where they were legit saying that Mike Tyson could beat Hoist Gracie. And it's absolutely not mm-hmm. true. And, I, and, and it it does. It just boggles my mind. I would, I, I know that we can't, but I would like to know the ages of these people. If, like Wesley said, they're just YouTube and knockout after knockout. But... I think people that really have a good sense of knowledge about what boxing was when Mike Tyson was winning knows that it was all about the money, keep him winning, keep him winning, keep him winning. And then when he fought somebody like a Lennox Lewis or a Vander Holyfield, he couldn't hang and his uh, weaknesses showed. Uh, Hoist Gracie would absolutely destroy him. He beat four people in one night. And honestly, if uh, mixed martial arts hadn't gotten so big, Hoist Gracie may still be destroying people with the uh, Gracie Jujitsu. <laughs> it's true, man, and I don't understand why this is even a conversation when we when we sit here and talk to people who have enough footage to be able to watch. Look, a kickboxer of lesser caliber than UFC guys would beat Mike Tyson. Here's the reason: the mechanics of kickboxing versus boxing is so different because once that leg gets kicked, all of those stances that you need for boxing or angles that you need for boxing are gone. They're completely gone. I'd like to throw something in there on that one with um, something that I've thought about and I think you guys should think about too. And, and a lot of people don't think about this if you're trying to like really flesh it out. And this is something that comes from probably, I would say, 1989. And that would be, uh, you know... Season three, episode four of Perfect Strangers, when Balky Bartokamu said, Vila the Goat Girl used to say, it was a certain magic in my ankles. And I don't think, I honestly <laughs> don't sense. think. You know, it's, you know, true story. I got Hulu, and the first thing I watched was the full series of Perfect Strangers. So I really wow, appreciate that wow, reference. Wow. That's a true story. Out of everything on Hulu, that's what I jumped into. Little Balky and Larry. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I just make sure that we have a consensus here so that anybody listening to this podcast understands that boxing and MMA are 100% different sports. And if a boxer who has no experience in wrestling or any sort of grappling art, that they not only get destroyed, but it doesn't even last that long. Can we make the consensus that Hoist Gracie beats Mike Tyson in a street fight, no question. Soundly. No question. Soundly. Soundly, without a doubt, 10 out of 10 times. Um, Thank you. And uh, with that said, I'll even go a little bit further. Um, Anybody who says anything otherwise has absolutely no clue what they're talking about. Thank you. Done. Thank you. Done. And that concludes Mark's Random Question. Mark's Random Question. <laughs> uh gentlemen, we had a title fight this past weekend. Actually two title two, fights. Two title fights, yeah. So let me let me start with the co-main event with Valentina Shevchenko versus Caitlin Shukagan. My question would be to you guys, is there any viable challenge for Valentina at this point? Is she literally just that much further along of her competition? Or or is someone 
that is not on our radar are going to step up and fight her because right now, right now it's hard for me to to even think that anybody can come close to beating her. What was your thoughts on that on that co-main event? I'm going to go with unfair question because um, I stated this last week and I'll state it again. I do not think that the female bench is deep enough to uh, to make a solid uh, uh, assertion on that. It's not it's not fair. Um, we really yeah, but don't. you have to make one because because the division exists and there's contenders in there. So who does she fight? <laughs> Wait again. Who does she fight? Who should she fight? And again, um, is the fight valuable? Um, if, if, if I was going to walk back in time, we just had this conversation. If I was going to walk back in time, you're going to tell me um, who, who's the number one contender 10 years ago. And you thought this one guy or this one fighter or um, whoever it was was valuable in that moment. Yeah, that seemed really important. But I think that female fighting in the UFC is 1990, well, no, I'm sorry, uh, probably 2005 UFC right now. Um, it's not, it's it's really not fair. Um, who should she fight? Who could she fight? Yeah, there's probably people floating around, but I don't think the bench is deep enough to to um, to really make a, a solid uh, suggestion. Um, I don't think it's going to, I think it, I think at this point, her advancing that career and we're seeing fights like this and people are just now appreciating female fighting. So with that said, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know if, if she fights somebody right now who we would all think we would go, yeah, that's a pretty good fight for her. Is that really a good fight for her? Um, I don't know. Uh, the reality is, is there's probably tons of people that we would all like to see her fight that, um, we're probably not going to see. Um, and it's probably going to be three, four, five years before that becomes a reality. And you know, we'll get into some of that other stuff later. But that's my take on that. I think she's on the top of her game right now, and it's it's going to be really tough for her to to find someone who's a challenge. Um, I think that Dana was asked the question if she should rematch Amanda Nunez. And uh, he he really skated away from that, and he said basically that the three you know dominant lady fighters right now should probably stay in their own division. And I completely see what he's doing. He's trying to build three stars instead of having stars knock each other off of the podium. Um, I think she should kind of stay there at her division, at her natural weight class, and start building up her resume a little bit, you know, because if she fights Nunez right away, then one of them is going to lose their popularity. I mean, if she won, of course, they could do a trilogy fight, but why not just keep building this up and building this up? I mean, I see Maya's name on there, Jennifer Maya, uh, ranked number four. I think that would be an exciting fight. Yeah, that'd be a great fight. Well, and to your point, she's actually lost to Amanda twice already. Now, I think she beat her the second time. But the last time was close. The last time was a split decision, wasn't it? Yeah, and I and I think I think she got robbed a little bit in that fight. So, and I, I actually agree not only with you both, but I think it's pretty pretty profound points in that this reminds me very much so of when Anderson Silva beat Rich Franklin. And mm. see, here's here's this may be a little bit of a controversial take on this. Yeah. And I know, I know a lot of people will think that I'm an idiot or that I don't understand what I'm talking about. But when Anderson Silva won the middleweight title, 
it was a weak division. The only viable defense that he really made that I was like, this is a genuine challenge. And I'm not making light of all of his challengers. It was Dan Henderson. And he handled him soundly and easily. But when you go look at all of Anderson Silva's title defenses, we're talking Travis Luter, which was a good fighter. We're Mm -hmm. talking Damian Maya before he became a, a true mixed martial artist. We're talking Patrick Cote. That was one of his title defenses was against Patrick Cote, who ended right. up hurting his leg in the fight anyway. I mean, his title defense was – the competition was just that weak in one sense. And he was also so far ahead of the game. You know, and then you fast, fast forward to 2020. Now the middleweight division is probably one of the more exciting divisions and I think probably you're right, Mark. Valentina Shevchenko is so far ahead of the competition, much like Anderson Silva is, that until five years from now. Right. Because I can't see Jessica. She just annihilated Jessica I. She just handled Chukagan this past weekend. I don't know how Jennifer Maya beats her. Roxanne Matafari is a three and four record in the UFC. I think Joanne Calderwood is an interesting matchup for her. But Alexis Davis, I mean, uh, I just I don't know of anybody. I mean, Macy Barber was the you know the heir apparent to come after the title. She ain't getting close to it. I just don't think that. I just don't think that the competition, like you said, Mark, is where it's at. And it reminds me very much of the Anderson Silva era at one eighty five. Yeah, twelve twelve years ago. It's just it's it's not. I think it's not a fair discussion. Um, like. Like of course, I see what you're saying. We're 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 you know we're fans from ten, fifteen, twenty years. I'd say twenty years deep, but really in the last fifteen years, and we've seen what's happened in the sport in the last fifteen years. Like I remember when I thought that uh, Randy Couture could not be beat. I thought he was the greatest of the greatest of ever of ever, or or just uh, like we're talking about this fight coming up with. uh, what's the fight coming up uh, this Friday? Corey Anderson versus Blakovich? No. Uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, like our favorite fighter. Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez. Like, I remember thinking, like, dude, like, there was this thing inside of me. It was like, Diego Sanchez is going to fight. And when he fights, like, he has so much heart and so much passion. He can't be beat. Like, there was something that I thought that, like, I don't know why I thought that. Like, we, like, Diego Sanchez, I mean, I God bless him, and I love him. And he is absolutely one of my favorite fighters of all time. But the reality is, mm-hmm. Diego Sanchez does not hold a candle to what is happening right now in the sport. Um, not even close. Not even close. And, I mean, if you could take Diego Sanchez's passion and translate that into a lot of other things that are going on, but the skill level, the talent, the the ability to uh, – well, just just even on the training side, there's all sorts of things. And I think that it's really unfair. Um, I, I like what's happening on the female side of the sport, but it's really unfair right now to even look at, like, to, to compare fighters. Like, it is, it's 19, or it's 2005 with uh, female UFC fighters. It's just 2005. Um, we don't even know. Um, it, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. It's awesome. And I'm super excited about what's happening. But it's really difficult to start picking fights out and saying, who do you want to fight this person? They don't. Have, they just don't have the bench yet. And But mm-hmm. either way, still, great fights. I think, and, and, and shout out to the female fighters, the UFC, 
Um, they are killing it right now, and it's super exciting watching uh, the female fighters. Well, she's a, up. she's a she's a she's a star, bro. Absolutely. Like Valentina Shevchenko is is an absolute gem. The fact that she can grapple, her kickboxing is on point. She speaks five languages. She is a dancer. She's also a Russian national arms champion. Uh, I mean, it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like her and her sister, both are like national champions uh, in their respective country with with guns. So not only can they kill you with their hands, they can also (laughs) shoot you faster than you can shoot them. It's like, geez, man. I mean, this is a uh, side point here, but I'm actually a deep gap water pistol arms champion. I didn't know if that got a lot of press out there in uh, uh, Oklahoma. It does. It but, does. Uh, we have a big community out okay. here. I didn't know. Huge community. And it's kind of odd that you don't know that. Well, I <laughs> thought okay. you might. I'll, I'll send you an email. All right. Well, so I think all of us picked Valentina for that fight, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was uh, I was really impressed with how, you know, she was she – was, I thought it would go to a decision. That was one I, I missed. And, man, she just took it up a notch in that second round and got a little – she got savage almost, and she got you know, GS when GS. She reminded me of G, GSP in the middle of his career when he was mm-hmm. just his his level changes were like better than anybody's, you know. And she baited her into a stand up fight, and next thing you know, boom, they're on the ground, and then the crucifix. Back to the middleweight division. Are you saying that David Luazo was overrated during <laughs> that time when he was fighting with Rich Franklin? Because I've been uh, hood hoodwinked if it if he was. <laughs> You've been waiting. You were you were waiting for that one for a while for sure. That's great. I love that. And isn't he from Canada? Yes. And let me say that. Yes, he's from Canada. Trevor, let me just say this: No one knows who David Lawazo is. It's listening to this right now. They're literally googling They're it. Googling Are you saying Dave no doesn't know? Are you saying Dave doesn't know? Let's have a little more faith in Dave. He, I think he knows. Dave knows. He knows. Speaking of Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of Dave, which is uh, our wonderful MMA podcast nation, uh, they picked John Jones to win this fight. Yeah. And in fact, he did win this fight. Mm-hmm. What, are, what is your thoughts? Mark, what are your thoughts? Okay, first out of the gate, I know you told me that the American Bachelor's dream was to juggle three women at the same time, and I tried, and I almost dislocated my shoulder. That, my friend, was Balky and Perfect Strangers. And I've been trying to figure out how to work that in. I just think that it was a it was a bad time, but I had to do it anyway. You did it. I did. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I feel like a perfect strangers need to have more of an influence on the podcast tonight. Like it just needed a like little push, a little love. Mm. I don't know. Um, but anyway, that said, John Jones, Dominic Reyes. Uh, come on, dude. Three rounds of what the heck is going on, and two rounds of John Jones turning it up like a boss. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a draw. To be honest with you, I thought uh, you know after really reevaluating the fight, uh, John Jones definitely wasn't the clear cut winner. I didn't think Dominic Reyes was the clear cut winner. You know, whatever decision was announced, I was going to be okay with. But that one scorecard that had four rounds to one. Uh, did not make any sense whatsoever. And then I even saw Wesley, and I don't know if you saw this either, but Joe Rogan and uh, who's the who's the other color commentator that I really like? Dominic Cruz. 
Dominic Cruz, I think is the best color commentator in MMA. Anyway, he was saying, yeah, he agreed. was saying that some of the judges were looking down during the fight. Both of those guys said that they weren't even watching the fight. At they were on their times. phones. Yeah, that's insane. Well, here's mm-hmm. what's here's what's interesting. So, I have an app called Verdict MMA. You guys should download. Everybody that's listening to this podcast, download the Verdict MMA. You can actually score fights live, and then you can actually see what everybody is scoring the fights. So, Verdict MMA had Reyes winning the fight three rounds to two. I had the first three rounds for Dominic Reyes. Last two rounds, John Jones, no brainer. Wait, wait, wait. hold on. You uh, had, start that over. Tell me again what you had for those uh, for those rounds. I just had the first three rounds for Dominic Reyes and last two rounds, Jones. What'd you have for the middle round? You talking about the third round? One through three was for Reyes. Yeah, you said you had the first two. No, no, for, first three for Reyes and then the second, last two for Jones. Oh, first three. Yeah, yeah. I, I picked I picked Reyes. Okay. Reyes is the winner. I, I felt like he was the was the winner of the fight. I was not disappointed in the in the decision because I felt like it was such a razor th- thin fight. But I did score it. But I also. Uh, yeah, I'm joined by the likes of Dana White, Joe Rogan, Dominic Cruz, Ariel Hawani. Go down the list of the who's who of the guys who watch, whether it was a whether it's D- Daniel Cormier fighters who are watching it, Michael Bisping. They all had Dominic Reyes, yeah. one, two, three, and and John Jones the last two rounds. So I stand by my pick. I picked Dominic Reyes to win the fight. I felt like he did win the fight, but I will say this: John Jones is the absolute best fighter in the history of the sport in rounds four and five. That dude, wow! That dude is so unbelievably beautiful in fourth and fi- in the fourth and fifth round. How can you not be inspired by his? Look, he knew he was down. He knew that he had to pull that win out. And and, and when his when his when his corner is talking to him that way, and you're watching because it's the same thing that happened in the first Alexander Gustafson fight. He knew he was down. I want to know what Trevor thinks about the, this because. I got you. I, I you your your three uh, three rounds Reyes, two rounds Jones, Trevor. Where where are you at with the, where, where did you see the fight as being? Because I, I I think mine's a little bit different. But I got the first two rounds for Reyes. I got the last two rounds for Jones, and I got the middle round as a draw. I thought it was so close. I mean, I didn't, you know. I, but I tell you what I don't like is, and and, and I've and I might have posted about this or I might have said it to you guys. I can't remember this. This theory that John Jones is moving forward is it it's just not true with some of these strikers to say that he's winning the fight. A lot of these strikers, like Chuck Liddell back in the day, they would back up to set up their shots. They're not running away. Okay. They're getting the correct distance to throw a leg kick. So I think this perception of John Jones is moving forward or whatever fighter's moving forward when they're fighting a legitimate striker and to say that they're winning is it, I just think it's ignorant. I, I agree. Texas is still under the old rules, unified rules of MMA. So technically, the advancer is is winning on the scorecards because they are advancing. If they're under the new rules, like in a Las Vegas jurisdiction, Reyes wins that fight because that that isn't considered. Like octagon control isn't necessarily a consideration any any longer in the unified rules. Wait, oh, so so now it's it's depending on what state we're in, who wins the fight. Because I, I'm going to go with Trevor on this one. I 100% agree. I, I got it that they, they, you know people pick the rules the way they want to whenever they're there on that day in that particular time frame or whatever. Um, absolutely agree. Reyes, first two rounds. Um, middle round was a draw. Last two rounds, John Jones absolutely dominated those two rounds. And 
Um, if, if you're a fighter, if you're, or if you're uh, doing the scorecards, um, how else do you not give it to John Jones? I think he unequivocally won the fight. You just fight said it was a draw, though. Because I, the middle round was a draw. But you got to beat the champ. No, you don't. Yes, you do. It's it's based. It's here it's we based go. on. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Do you? I ha- told you I'm talking. Then I, I just you, yeah, let's go. Attention. All right, Wes, you start this. Do you have to beat the champ? Go. No, you have to win the fight. You have to. First of all, Dominic Reyes outscored him and landed more punches. He had more significant strikes. According to which in the state? entire fight. According no no according to the actual is data. it magical state we're according in? What if to, he was in Colorado next week. No, is he, first, is okay, he winning that fight? Back up. No, no, back up for a second, Mark. All right. This isn't about this isn't about opinions. This is about jurisdictions and and state athletic commissions. Okay. This the the Texas State Athletic Commission is under the old rules of MMA, which which states that you can win a fight by pressing forward. The new unified rules under most, like for example, California State Athletic Commission, the Las Vegas State Athletic Commission, they do not consider someone chasing their opponent down as octagon control because they understand that a fighter who is a counter striker is letting the other fighter move forward so that they can set up something. So there's that. Now on the flip side saying you got to beat the champ means nothing. If you're, if you have outstruck, you have more significant damage done. You've landed more significant strikes in the entire fight. It's about the fight itself. Not about you got to take it from the champ. It's who did more damage, who landed more strikes and Dominic Reyes did that. And the what you just said, you basically just said it was a draw because, first of all, he didn't even hit him in the fifth round. He hardly hit him at all because because Reyes because he, he was chasing him the whole time. And in the fourth round, he didn't have any significant strikes other than a couple leg kicks. There was no uppercuts. There was no launching punches. So when you were saying that, I'm not sure which fight you were watching, but there was no gigantic flurry of punches from Jones. In fact, if you look at the copy strike numbers, I think John only hit him like 15 times in those two rounds. So at the overall fight, when you look at damage, strikes, all that stuff, Dominic Reyes wins it statistically. I'm not saying okay, that. Okay, but wait, are, wait, are, we, are, are you looking at it as the entire fight? Or round by round. Yes. Okay, so... 100%. Well, you can't look at it as the entire fight because I'm not sure, again, what state you're in. It's round by round, fight by... It's round by round or fight by fight. Or round by round in the overall fight. Who took the most damage? Who got Is it hit round by round or is it the entire fight? Which one is it? It's round by round. Okay, round by round, it was a draw. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying... You can't make the you can't subjectively make a good argument saying that you have to take it away from the champ. That makes no sense. If I beat you, if 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 we're playing basketball and I beat you by twenty or I beat you by one, but this I is not win. this is not basketball. But that's the logic you're using. I'm not using, you I'm using the, the, the other logic that says that I. Well, well let me just. Well, the first part of the logic is I've already imagined, like in my head, I've already assumed you're wrong. So I used that part of the logic. So that helps me out a lot right there. <laughs> but no, like, like it's very difficult. And obviously we're going to have this conversation and should have this conversation and going to lead into it with what's going on in Kansas, which I think is really cool. Round by round or the entire fight. It's a very difficult conversation and it's, um, it's, it's important. But I would say if I'm looking at this fight, I'm saying, Reyes, if I'm doing round by round, like you score a fight, Reyes wins the first two, uh, three is a draw, 
Jones wins the second two in a draw. The champion wins because there's no other way to score it. Um, if you want to, if you want the champion win though, because there's no other way to score it. I don't, I don't make the rules. No, no. If round one and two is a 10, nine round. And then now you've scored round three is a nine, nine. And then the last two are 10, nine for Jones. That doesn't mean Jones just wins the fight. It's a draw. It's a draw. Should have been. I'd been happy with the draw then. But I think he keeps. I think he keeps the belt though because he didn't lose. But I, I'm completely on your side, West. And this, there's a lot of people that think this that you have to come in and beat the champion. And my point on the on the on the uh, Facebook page was. Like you said earlier, if you win by 20, you win by one, you win the fight. This may be his only chance to to win the fight, and you, you have to come in with a blank slate and imagine John Jones with a blank slate, and whoever wins that fight wins. And And I like the old pride scoring days where you simply picked who won the whole fight. However, I do think that there has to be some discussion about what it takes to win the whole fight. You can't just be so subjective where there's no standards. I think you have to have uh, some standards. That's my personal opinion on how mixed martial arts should be scored. I just don't think it is boxing, and we're following a boxing model. Mm -hmm. Well, well, speaking of that, and I, and, and I, I know that you both know that I wanted to bring this up. I think it's really important is that uh, we have all heard that the Kansas Athletic Com- Commission is talking about doing a call-out scorecard like they do in boxing. No, no, bro. Dude, I literally thought you were about to read something or give us a quote from Laura Ingalls. I know. I, hey, and I, was, I, I was gearing up for it. And then you were still serious. I'm like, dang it. I got three of them. You you want another? Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. State, no, Kansas State. Okay, so Go Kansas State uh, Athletic Commission said, I hope you fall on your face with your hands in your pocket. That was Balki Bartakamu's from season three, episode four. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> of Perfect Strangers. So, oh. and that's what they said. And anyway, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, I this this opens up. This conversation, um, obviously, in mixed martial arts, I think probably one of the, you know, this has been a conversation for years, like everything. It's 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 been so difficult, and so why are we not scoring differently? Why are we not like making things mm-hmm. transparent, and why are we doing it differently? Why is mixed martial arts different than you know boxing? And uh, obviously, you know, boxing has been around for longer than we can, you know, any of us have been alive. And there's a system to it, but the system works to a certain degree. And all of a sudden someone's saying, hey, what if you knew in round two that you were down by two points? Would it change the way you fought? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it would change the way you fight. That's the way that boxers fight. It's a, it's a different game. And again, what we just talked about this in, in our, our, uh, uh, our conversation about Hoist Gracie and Mike Tyson – like, why would that fight be different? That fight would be different because it's not the same thing. But if you're going to point score it and you're trying to do something that way, then it changes everything. Um, and we all know this. And, you know, anyway, uh, who wants to go first to give some thoughts on that if you want to? Yeah. So basically, my understanding, right, which you explained, let me make sure I'm understanding, was what I saw too, is that after round one, I'll actually know if it was a 10 9 for me or for my opponent. So after each round, I know the score. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, that's what they're proposing. 
For me, I, so I'll say two things. The first thing is, it doesn't fix the judging problem. This, this past weekend with Jones, and just to go back to that for a second, I don't have a problem that Jones won the fight, by the way. So just to make sure that, that, that Dave, that Dave and the MMA podcast nation knows, I actually didn't have a problem with the decision. So I just was, I just was making a point uh, about the scoring system. However, in that specific, in that specific fight, one judge had Reyes winning the second, or, uh, three judges, two judges had Reyes winning the second or second round. One judge had Jones winning the second round, which was pretty clear cut if you ask me. And then another judge had Reyes win in the third round while the other one had John win in the third round. And it was if they couldn't get it figured out. And then you got the one judge who gave four rounds to Jones and only one round to Reyes, which was the first round. It wasn't the worst scoring ever. However, earlier that night, there were several, I think there were two other fights where the judging was so horrendous. Um, I mean, even... I think it was the Lauren Murphy, Andrea Lee fight. It was just so bad. Someone, one of the judges went 30, 27 on that. And you're looking at that and you're going like, what are they looking at? Like, like you can't do that to the fighter. And, and it was so bad. And it was very blatantly obvious to those who have been watching MMA for a long time, whether they're fans or the ones who were commentating on it. It was like, you literally were stealing fights away from people. I don't think that's what happened in Jones. Now, to the Kansas thing, I think it's a really good idea. Because if Reyes knows that he's got to go for broke in round five, he's, it changes round five. He doesn't, he doesn't run from John the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's going to stand in the pocket, and he's going to start throwing, and he's gonna, it's going to force the fight. Huge difference. And I agree. I think it's a it, – if, if, if we're – Looking at any other sport like you just mentioned, and I know that I'm down two points. We've got to we've got to foul the other team. We've got to do you know what you got to do to to try to get the ball back to shoot the ball, whatever. In the same way, if I know that I'm down three rounds, you know, and I've got to get a knockout, well, then it's either kill or be killed. I've got to go get this guy out, and I think it's going to change. It's going to change the sport. I think in a lot of ways. Assuming it happens, but anyway, uh, Trevor, what are you thinking? Well, I got I got a couple of thoughts. One is conditioning still matters. You know, you you might be down or up or whatever, but, you know, you see this in boxing all the time. You kind of, I mean, they don't announce what the scores are, but you kind of know going into the later rounds if you're going to have to knock somebody out. And there still has to be something in the tank. You know what I mean? To to be right. able to finish the fight. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, I do like the rules. I, I like knowing, I think everybody should know the score going into the last round. I think that would be so exciting knowing that a fighter would literally have to submit or knock out or TKO to uh, get the victory. Uh, we might see you know, a lot more action in that fifth round. Or here's might be, here might be the disappointment. You, the fighter may want to try to go for the knockout and the KO, and he just doesn't have it in the tank. And we see similar fights that we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Ma- Mark, you know, you know what I think? Standing tall on the wings <laughs> of my <laughs> dreams, dreams. rise and fall. <laughs> Mm-hmm. On the wings of my dream, <laughs> of my dreams. Uh, That's a good thing. All right, as we come to as we come to a close, gentlemen, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll some fights down that we've got coming yep. up. 
And, and I think I think one that we need to pay attention to, especially given this past weekend with Jones versus Reyes, we've got Blockovich uh, uh, against Corey Anderson uh, this Saturday. Uh, and I think that's a that's a significant fight for Corey Anderson if he wins, because I believe that's will be his fifth straight win. And if he wins, I think that will that will set him up for a title shot. I don't think Corey can ever beat Jones. Um, we've also got, and, and, you, and you can tell me what sticks out to you guys. One of the best fights that I've been looking forward to for months is Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. You've got Paul Felder, who's looking for a big win in, at 155. You've got Dan Hooker, who's one of Israel Adesanya's training partners uh, from from uh, the other side of the world, who is kind of coming into his own, kind of graduated from uh, lose one, win one. Now he's kind of on the streak a little bit. You've got the the flyweight championship coming up, um, I believe February 29th um, for the vacant title. You've got um, then we've got UFC 248, which we'll talk more about as we get closer to it, which is Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. Um, and for me, the, I think the biggest one that sticks out to me is probably I get the Anderson Corey Anderson uh, Blockowitz fight. It's an important fight. It's going to be a fun one to watch on Saturday. But to me, I believe the title fight for the vacant 125 pound title is important. I think it's significant because Joseph Benavidez has been there and he's been doing this for a long time. And I actually think he be- beats uh, Figueiredo. I think he beats him, um, and I think he becomes the champ. And, I- and I'll actually be happy for him because he's been doing this a long time, and he deserves it. But any of those fights stick out to you guys? I, well, uh, yeah, I would love to break down next time we talk. Uh, next week, I'd really love to break down the hooker fight. I think there's a lot there. Um, and I think it's, yeah, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a super fun fight. And I think that a lot of people that, um, I think it should be broke down. I think we should really just like walk through that whole entire fight and just kind of see what's going on with that. It, it, that's a, that's a fun discussion for sure. And, and what's great is a lot of people don't know Dan Absolutely. Hunter, and they really don't know Paul Felder. And so it's just a fight to discuss because it is, it is the, is the main event for the UFC fight night 168. And that's, that's a fun, that's a fun fight and people should pay attention. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, why is that fight so exciting yeah, conversation? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me throw this mm-hmm. one out there because I forgot to mention it. You got Diego Sanchez versus Michael Pereira as the co-main event. And I will just say guys, Michael Pereira is kind of like the new version of Diego just without all the damage. He's got he's crazy. He jumps off the fence. He does flips. He does backflips onto people. He's he's nuts. He's absolutely nuts. And Diego's crazy. That that main event in New Mexico this this weekend should be uh, it should be fun. I hope Diego does well. That's all. I just hope Diego. Can, <laughs> I I pray for Diego every night before I go to sleep. It just like <laughs> it's like it's like I fold clothes, wash the dishes. Get some, you know, get some things done. Maybe shoot out a couple emails, and then I do a little, little prayer. Kneel down. I go, mm. dear God, whatever's happening with Diego, I hope it's good because <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I love Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez is that fighter. He's that fighter. Yeah, that Detroit. fight between uh, that fight between him and Parisian is yes. absolutely one of my favorites. Oh. Of all time, oh, had all those judo throws. It I just, wonder you, when. Uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. 
I wonder when Ben Askren got knocked out by Jorge Masvidal, if he was laying there thinking, rise and fall <laughs> on the wings, <laughs> the wings of my of dreams. dreams. Rise and <laughs> I tell you what, if I'd have got kneed in the face um, 47 seconds into a uh, MMA match, the first thing I would have thought was, how did I get into this MMA match? <laughs> that would have been the first thing that I would have thought. And the second thing that I thought was, lay down. Someone's hitting you in the face. You should lay down on the ground. <laughs> this is probably not where you're supposed to be. I think 47 seconds into the fight, uh, Ben Askren was already in the ambulance. I think it was five seconds <laughs> right. he was knocked out. And then in the 47th second, he was actually loaded into the oh, back of the ambulance. Ben. Ben. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing now. All right, gentlemen. Episode five in the wraps. Episode five. We have done a long one. Episode five. Diego Sanchez, Pereira this Saturday. Don't miss it. Trevor, Mark, as always, mm-hmm. much love. I agape both of you. And, and remember, uh, Vila the Goat Girl. And also remember, shampoo with suave if you're poor. <laughs> 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 All right, see you later, MMA Podcast. My MMA Podcast. Right. One of these days I'm going to get the name right. <laughs> All right. Does it. It does. What? <laughs> what? <laughs>